When Trish was in grade nine, she was kind of unfaithful to her kind of boyfriend. And she wrote about it in her diary. I have to admit that I kind of cheated on John. I asked a boy to dance, sat next to him, and walked with him. The only people that know are Penny, Kathy, Jessica, Brooke, Natalie, and Carrie. I'm going to ask them not to say anything. That's Trish reading from the diary she kept in grade nine. And this, well, this is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids is a live open mic event where brave adults get up on stage and read their childhood and teenage writing. This time, recorded live at the club in Banff, Alberta, we have Phantom Killer Kittens, a fight over an $800 phone bill, and an island with no babes. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and in a lot of cases, it was never intended to be read aloud. So think about the stuff you wrote when you were a kid, and stick around. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. When our next reader, Emmett, was 18, he took a job in California. And the job meant moving away from home, his family, his girlfriend to go work for a guy named Tom, building film sets. But things between Emmett and Tom didn't exactly work out, so Emmett left his job. And on top of that... I ran up an $800 phone bill, uh, which I left and never paid. So this is my entitled 18-year-old response to his demands for payment. Tom... As promised, I'm contacting you in regards to the phone bill, which we recently discussed. To avoid further complications and misunderstandings, I've compiled a list of my direct expenses for which I hold you responsible. (laughs) As well as a list of your unfulfilled promises with regards to my employment benefits in Santa Barbara. Gold's gym membership and services, unused. Approximately $350. Sorry. Work additional to work agreed upon, babysitting, etc. Minimum estimated, approx $250. Time off, promised and not received. Minimum estimation, $400. Transportation promised and not received. Theft of mail, invasion of privacy. Insulting, untruthful, and slanderous comments made. As I'm sure you can see, these costs not only equal, but exceed those costs in the aforementioned phone bill, valued at approximately $800. I sincerely hope that you can understand that an injustice has been committed on your part. As you have already proven yourself on numerous occasions to not only be petty, 
but ignorant and small-minded. I expect that you will continue to harbor ill feelings towards me. However, however, let me remind you that in essence, I paid to work for you. <laughs> the labor you obtained from me was worth far more than what you have accused me of stealing from you. That, combined with the items I have listed, not to mention the stress that your insensitivity, rudeness, and untruthfulness has repeatedly caused me and my family, <laughs> is why I feel that our business together is done. <laughs> Tom, if anyone in our bargain has come out with a loss, it was I. For this reason, I will not bend to your spiteful and immature threats of legal action. <laughs> your assumption that in these matters I am nothing more than an idiot was erroneous. <laughs> and I hope that you have the decency to see that you've done me a contemptible injustice. <laughs> and to consider our mutual grievances settled. <laughs> One of the things that strikes me about Emmett's letter is just how much self-confidence he had. There's a certain kind of bravado and self-righteousness that comes with being 18 and feeling wronged. After the show, Emmett told me what was going through his head at the time. I, I, I for some reason, thought that by using big words, I would intimidate this guy who, like, is a business owner and is, like, 50 years old. And that using, you know, big words would scare him off and not make me, you know, it's just, just re absolutely ridiculous. Like, I, I just was the biggest douche. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you pay the $800? No, but no. And I, like, I still to this day, kind of in the back of my mind, I'm like, one day I'm going to just send that guy $1,000. <laughs> but will I ever actually do it? Probably not. But yeah, I like to think that eventually one day I will. We never really know what our future selves are going to find interesting, what we'll want to remember about our past. And that's why it's always so interesting to hear what kids think is important to record for posterity. This is Tuesday the 14th, minus 26 degrees Celsius. I didn't put the month or the year. That's Megan, who brought along a few diary entries written in grade four. And what's great about these diaries, aside from Megan's meticulous weather record keeping, is her spelling, which she describes as extremely terrible. Here's Megan. Dear diary, exclamation mark. Today I had skating. It was fun. We played glop. Glop is when toe people are it. When they tag someone, they are another blop. It is fun. Crystal R. asked me if I would go to the sock hop with Nicholas. I said maybe. I would like to, but it's none of her business. <laughs> Graham knows that Nicholas likes me, but he does not know that I like him. Nicholas gave Graham a hologram. I think that was nice. I am very fond of Nicholas. I have a crochet on him. 
but he loves me. I do love him too. I only told Lindsay that. Well, goodbye, exclamation mark. I will write tomorrow. <laughs> Wednesday the 15th, minus eight degrees Celsius. Dear diary, exclamation mark. Today I had piano. Sally said I had a very good lesson. I froze my ear the other day. I cannot sleep on my left ear. Should I go to the sock hop with Nicholas? I don't know if I should. Well, goodbye. <laughs> Tuesday the 16th, minus 15 degrees Celsius. Dear diary, exclamation mark. I really lick Nicholas. <laughs> I dream about him every day. He's too shy to talk to me. I hate Crystal. She was bugging me. I can't wait till I find out how likes her. Ha ha ha. <laughs> well, goodbye. Some kids grow up writing in notebooks. Others write in journals or cahiers. I grew up in Nova Scotia where what some people would call a notebook, we called a scribbler. But our next reader, Tim, well, Tim did his writing in something completely different. So I grew up in the Kootenays in BC. We didn't have scribblers. Look at what we had here. <laughs> now, you can't see this, but Tim is holding up a very large folder. And just so you can see what kind of serious writers we are in the Kootenays, there's three pockets here. The draft stage, editing stage, and over here, ready for publication. All right, so what I've got here is uh, my first uh, Western, entitled... The fall of Ben Gizzard in Depression Gulch. <laughs> Depression Gulch is a town built in a very small gulch. The sun doesn't rise till 10, and it goes down at 2 in the afternoon. One day a man named Ben Gizzard came to town. He was a swindler. One day he shot six robbers and was named Sheriff. Later, Ben won the election for mayor. Ben Gizzard made up many strange laws that other towns didn't have. He said that no books with pictures were allowed in town. Anyone who Ben didn't like was hung or shot by Mayor Gizzard. One day, a man named Paul came into the town. Paul had a blackbird. The mayor was nervous and tried to kill Paul but he killed himself instead by Tim Huss. All right, there you go. And uh, changing the themes a little bit, this is what would be, I guess, what you would call a, uh, uh, maybe a horror or a, a psycho, psycho thriller. This is, uh, this one's entitled The Killer Pussycats. <laughs> One dark and scary night in the graveyard, the phantom killer kittens were stalking <laughs> quietly and looking for prey. The leader of the three kittens, whose name was Purry, <laughs> sighted a weasel who was chewing on a hazelnut. 
The kittens meowed loudly and scared the weasel away. The kittens took the nut, the nut and threw it off a cliff so the poor hungry weasel couldn't eat it. This was mean, but they ate moths and took lives away from the poor mothy creatures. Another was when the three killer kittens came begging at an old lady's door. The kittens weren't thirsty, but they drank the milk that the old lady gave them anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Today, Tim Huss is a country musician who writes and plays storytelling kinds of songs, but so far as I can tell, none of them are about phantom killer kittens. At least not yet. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When Daniel was six, his parents got divorced. And um, I was devastated, devastated not to have my dad around, you know, to watch sports with and play sports with and all that, you know, wonderful stuff. And I had to live with my mom and my two sisters, who I love very much, but they, you know, weren't is into sports as, you know, I was with my father. Daniel's dad had moved away to Edmonton, so as a way to stay in touch, they wrote letters, mostly about hockey. Now, Daniel brought those letters to our show in Banff and read a few of them on stage. Here he is, reading first from a letter written by his dad, and then his own response. I'll just read a quick little excerpt from one of my dad's letters, and then you kind of get the idea. Dear Dangerous Dan, this is my nickname, I am enclosing a list of the hockey stickers I need to complete my book. Um, There is also a list of my traders. Please send me any of the stickers that you have as traders that are on my list and tell me which ones from my list of traders you want, and I'll send them to you right away. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Say hello to Georgina and Cassandra, my two sisters, for me, and tell them that I sure would like to receive a letter from someone, anyone, sometime, sooner or later. Before I get too old to read. Love, love, love. Andy. So these are my um, sort of half-hearted, failed attempts at uh, responding to that letter. But this is from November 13th, 1988. Dear Daddy, Hi, Dad. I miss you and Pat, my stepmother. I am missing Johnny Bauer, Stan Mikita, Lauren Gump Worsley, Yvonne Cornway, the roadrunner, Bobby Hull, Phil Esposito, Bobby Orr, Tony Esposito, Brad Park, Bobby Clark, Dennis Potvin, Guy Lafleur, Borges Salming, Gilbert Perot, Marcel Dion, Brian Trache, it's an extensive list, Larry Robinson, Serge Savard, Wayne Gretzky, Lanny McDonald, Matt Snazland, Yeri Curry, Dale Howardchuk, Grant Fuhr, Paul Coffey, and Luke Robitaille. Uh, (laughs) I am still crying because I miss you so much. You are the best daddy in the whole world. 
When I am 16, I want to move in with you and live with you forever. Love, Dan. That's it. All right. Thank you very much. Backstage, after the show, I asked Daniel to tell me a little bit more about his relationship with his dad, then and now. We talk about doing things, right, rather than the way we feel. And I think that is just a, a universal kind of man thing. I mean, I almost kind of remember writing these letters, which is kind of strange. And I remember having these, you know, the, these were these kind of hockey trading sticker books that you get at the gas station, you know, and you'd have to put the stickers for all the players and you'd fill them up. But I remember my obsession, you know, me and my friends head with these things. And then just so again, my dad, you know, it's something to talk about. So he started collecting them himself and then we would exchange. It was just kind of, you know, what, so what I really appreciate was that, you know, my dad was doing this thing so we could have a connection, right? And really that's what it really all comes down to, is having something to kind of bond about. But the, that's such, that's so interesting. It's really quite lovely in a lot of ways, this idea that you're, you know, as a grown man, is he super interested in collecting stickers? No, he's interested in having this connection to this thing that he and his son both love. And that, that I, I think that's just, that's lovely. Yeah, no, yeah, it really, really is kind of heartbreaking. And, um, you know, my dad actually has cancer right now, and he's, uh, you know, it's kind of sad. He's going through chemotherapy right now, and, you know, kind of looking back at that, just you kind of get very emotional and, you know, thinking of all these stupid little things that we used to do. And, you know, I guess just want to thanks, Dad, for taking an interest in these stupid little things and, you know, trying to have a relationship with me. Um, you know, so I really, really appreciate the fact that he, you know, did these small things so we could have things to talk about. This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, recorded live at the club in Banff, Alberta. I'm Dan Meisner. What do you want to be when you grow up? That is a question kids get asked a lot, and there are some pretty stereotypical answers. Firefighter, police officer, veterinarian. But when Todd was growing up in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, he imagined a less conventional career, one based in the dairy industry. Here's Todd reading from an essay he wrote in grade three. When I grow up and finish school, I want to be a milkman (laughs) and work here in Bridgewater or Halifax. I want to wear a clean white suit and I will make about $10,000 a year. I will get up at four o'clock in the morning and get home at six o'clock. I will ride in a little yellow truck. I won't be delivering milk all day because I will be getting ready for the next day. If I get married and have children, I might take a trip to Florida. I want to be a milkman because I can get up early when it is peaceful, still, and quiet. Thank you.
A lot of what we hear at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids is nonfiction. We hear true life stories written by kids about themselves. Of course, we also hear fiction. Short stories, first novels, unauthorized sequels to existing movies. But sometimes those two worlds, fiction and nonfiction, blend. Where the story is completely made up, but the characters are real. For instance, our next reader, Bonnie, brought along a short story that she not only wrote, but also stars in. It's called Bonnie and the Money Tree, Part 2. Um, I couldn't find part one, <laughs> but I assume that it's where I found some magic beans. As soon as my family saw them, my mom jumped over the piano. My dad almost set the room on fire. Rex, our dog, puked up his dog food. And my sisters fainted. As soon as my sisters woke up, the whole family yelled in my ears. Then I said, at least let me plant them. They might grow into something we need. My parents agreed, but my sisters both said, you're dead, Bonnie. <laughs> and I gulped. <laughs> then I planted the beans, went inside, and fell asleep very slowly. The next morning, I got up very early to water the beans, and I saw a tree in my garden, and it grew millions of dollars, five TV sets, five Nintendos, five Super Nintendos, cotton candy, fur coats, and more. <laughs> then I got a wagon, put everything in it, gave it to my parents, and we lived happily ever after. Our next reader also brought along a piece of short fiction. Here's Tom reading a story he wrote when he was 10 years old, entitled The Island with No Babes, which he describes as the riveting tale of a man trapped on an island with a pet monkey and no babes. Please welcome to our stage, Tom. Hi, it's me, John Gobstopper. I'm stuck on this island. I was riding my personal yacht when it blew up. Suddenly, I was in the air, and then on the island. Also, I had a brother, but he got eaten by sharks. I have a limited amount of supplies to build things. What I have is two big logs, a few boards, some tropical glue, a rope, one tarp, and a blanket. Also, I am making a dock, a boat, a tent, one hammock, a garden, and a pool. When I was exploring the island, I found a pet. It is a monkey. I named him Bob. He just hangs around most of the time. All he eats is bananas and coconuts. He has green eyes and brown fur. Also, he has pointy ears. He is cute. I was sleeping yesterday when a plane was coming. So was a ship. I tried to make a fire bigger for the plane, but the plane blew up. <laughs> if I would have tried for the boat, I would have got saved. Oh well. Right now I'm on my boat because the volcano erupted. It covered the whole island with ash. Later I will go into my canoe. I will write soon. 
It's me again. I got saved, and now I'm a trillionaire. I bought the islands and called them Hawaii. I live on them with my lovely wife and 19 children. The volcano blew up. Everything blows up. Well, gotta go. Toodles, babe. P.S. I'm married to Cindy Crawford. That story promised no babes and pretty much delivered on no babes. When Elaine was 17, boys were her life. But, she says, boys were also a source of confusion and abject loneliness. And as a way of sorting through her loneliness and confusion, Elaine wrote. Here she is, on stage in Banff, reading two pieces. First, some musings on love, and then a pros and cons list about why a boy might like her. Here's Elaine. You see him and you decide, yes, that is the man you want to be with for the rest of your life, forever and ever, amen. He is the only one that will be ever. You can feel his sensitivity emanating from his very pores and what gorgeous pores they are. (laughs) You steal a glance at him and decide he will be the one for you. You admit it, love sucks. There's no two ways about it, it just bites. But then, why is it everywhere you look? On TV, in books, at the movies, it's even part of sugar-free gum commercials. (laughs) Nowadays, you can't even enjoy fresh breath without thinking about your love life or lack thereof. Sometimes it seems ridiculous when you think you'll never fall in love, never. With all the people that occupy this earth, to feel that you'll never meet one that you can love, it's pretty dim. But when you've never actually fallen in love, it's pretty easy to imagine being alone forever. (laughs) Sad, 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 sad. There's six, sad. (laughs) New page for a new person. I'm painting my nails so my writing may be a bit spastic. The new guy I've fallen for is Joel. I don't know his last name, but I hope to find out. (laughs) I met him at a rave. It was so fun. He's funny and he's nice. I know there isn't a chance for me, but you know me in my daydreams. He dances, underlined. I'm smitten. He could turn out to be some half-baked psycho pervert, but... Come to think of it, that's been most of the guys I've liked. Maybe this one will like me back. Well, I can dream, can't I? Here's my pros and cons list. Pro, he put his arms around me when we talked. Con, he's way too good looking and he could have anyone he wants. Pro, his legs were discreetly sneaking up alongside of me. Con, it was all too subtle and I was drunk enough to be imagining it. (laughs) 
pro, he would move my hair out of my face. Con, I came off like a ditz. Pro, he played with my hair when I leaned over to talk to Jen. Con, I talked too much in the car. Pro, he helped me up twice. Con, he was just being friendly. Pro, he'd smile at me like, aw, isn't that cute? Con, he was laughing at me, not with me. Pro, he was watching me with Renee and smiling. Con, he thinks I'm a moron. It never works out. Pro, Lillian thought he liked me. Con, seeing Lillian, he compliments, flatters, and smiles at her. Pro, he won't go out with Lillian. Why? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Con, he had sex with Lillian. A few days after the show, Elaine called in with some advice for her 17-year-old self. I would say, I promise that you do fall in love more than once. And the best thing you can keep doing right now is falling in love with yourself. I know it sounds cheesy. And no, you don't die a virgin. And you will have cleavage one day, although that doesn't always help. You can do this. Trust me. You've got this. That's what I would tell her. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at the club in Banff, Alberta. Special thanks to Banff Center Radio and Dominic Girard. Our music is by Pottington Bear. And if all of this sounds like fun to you, why not sign up to read the things you wrote when you were a kid? We have upcoming live shows in Hamilton, Ontario, Vancouver, and Victoria, BC, and beyond. To see our full calendar or to sign up for our email newsletter where we announce new shows, check out our website, grownupsreadthingstheywroteaskids.com. That's grownupsreadthingstheywroteaskids.com. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.